0: And this is with the stipulation that uh, Von Miller has a pretty expensive team option, club option, before the 2021 uh, new league year begins. I don't know if they'll ultimately pick it up. They're kind of a team similar to the other teams inside the top 10. They don't really feel like they're ready to be a Super Bowl contender. And with how deep the AFC has gotten over the past couple years, I don't even know if they're uh, more than a wild card contender at this point. It might make sense, you know, coming off the lower leg injury that Von Miller is, I forgot if it was Achilles or his ankle or what it was, um, but obviously a pretty serious injury at his age. He's into his 30s now. This just seems like the right time, especially with that club option, for them to let him go and then draft his replacement. Could he pay this freak of an athlete who is an ascending player to play opposite? Bradley Chubb on that defensive line.
1: I also think that George Payton, the new general manager, if he wants to build his team to be a winner the way that he built his last team to be a winner, that's probably going to start with refreshing that defense and giving them as much talent as they can, especially because the the great thing, and this is one of the key points for me about wide receiver is – if you draft a wide receiver and the guy is good, I mean, you are set there for such a long time. Receivers year in and year out. It's not like a defensive end who might have eight sacks one year and 16 another year. There's inconsistencies to their performance just based on the position. Even corners, we see some some variance from year to year. Wide receivers, I mean, if you can catch 100 balls, you're probably going to do it every single year, and you're just set. And they've locked in two guys. Um, I mean, Jerry Judy had some drop issues, but Cortland Sutton is fantastic. So you you are locked in with a great duo. This does this sound familiar from where George Payton was? And now you have a quarterback position to fill. But if Trey Lance is gone, that's the only other thing I thought of. Um, I was definitely not thinking about defense for Denver. But trading this pick to whomever for whatever quarterback that might be out there. I mean, this is the Deshaun Watson conversation. They've got to be in it too. They've got to be in the Sam Darnold, in the Matt Ryan, in the Carson Wentz. Anybody who's an available quarterback, because, I mean, Drew Locke, I just don't think that he's part of this. I think he showed us this year he's more of a backup caliber, and that's kind of where he's going to be.
0: Yeah, and I think with a new GM, that's always difficult, that even if a quarterback does show a lot of signs, it's nothing against their new GM who you know has a sterling reputation coming to Denver. From the Vikings, just these guys want to bring in their own players, and and that's just – par for the course when there's a new head coach, new GM. So I I do think that's a spot that I've thought about quarterback. I don't know if I've actually mocked a quarterback to the Broncos yet, um, but all those quarterbacks that you just outlined, I mean, it's, it's a very interesting free agent period, or it will be at the quarterback spot and potentially on the trade market because there are so many teams that that really could use a good quarterback. And if the Viking or if the Broncos pick Quiddipay and they trade for Matt Ryan or they sign Carson Wentz and he plays a little bit better or more closely to where he was in 2017 and 2018 with their defense, with Cortland Sutton, with Jerry Judy, with KJ Hamler, Noah Fant, you have something there in Denver that was a lot better than the 2020 iteration of that team. Rounding out the top 10, they have the Dallas Cowboys picking Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. He's a little bit out of sight, out of mind, and, and I've talked about this a lot with these opt-outs decided to opt out before the season had a really good year in 2019 at Virginia Tech he's a tall kind of lanky cornerback but he's very athletic twitchy he's not to me like Patrick Sertan who's just going to beat you up at the line good straight line speed but a little bit stiff-hipped Caleb Farley can play inside outside is he going to be able to cover the, the the best slot receivers in the NFL on a regular basis no but Watching that Dallas defense this entire year, yes. or it they could go. And they could just grab. They could throw all the defensive prospects into a hat in the first <laughs> round and just grab one. Really, I mean the offense yes. is is set if they keep Dak Prescott, and I think they will. But I've like with this pick every week, I'm like, should it be DN? Should it be D tackle? Should it be linebacker? Like even though they they signed Jalen Smith, they have uh Leighton Vander Ash entering his fourth season, they could go linebacker, they could go safety. I think this would be the best value, and it's really what they need, more secondary help to get Caleb Fairley.
1: I also think just, you know, when you're drafting in the secondary, you're doing a good job, no matter what. I mean, it's the, the coverage element is just so difficult in the NFL these days that if you get one of those guys and you see this with Buffalo, with Trey white, um, you saw it a couple of years ago with Stefan Gilmore and the impact he had. If you have one guy who eliminates the other team's top wide receiver, that's the whole league right now is let's throw to our number one receiver all the time. And, and, I just I think that it's it's massively valuable and they are should be in desperation mode. I didn't even think that their pass rush was that terrible last year. Uh, I'm not saying it was good. No part of their defense was good. Just thought you know they could get after the passer a little. They just couldn't cover anybody. No. And uh, you know what? I made the huge mistake before the season of picking the Cowboys to be playing this weekend. Whoops. Uh, but but it's because they had the offensive pieces in place. And uh, the only other thing that I, I would say that would be an argument against defense, which for this, there isn't much of one, but that offensive line that was so magnificent has fallen apart pretty much yeah. completely, And so they need, they need more bodies there if they're going to, um, but, but you can find those in free agency to fill in average spot, you know, average players at a couple of spots and Dak Prescott will do the rest. Um, the defensive part of it, they're just in, in really big trouble. So that, that would be the only other consideration I would make would just be maybe an offensive lineman.
0: Yeah. And two, beyond all the injuries to Tyron Smith, to L. Collins, Zach Martin, they obviously lost uh, Travis Fr- uh, Frederick, that the offensive line is getting a little bit old. Like it, like Tyron Smith has been in the league for 10 years. Like it wouldn't be the worst decision. It would be a prudent decision like picking Zach Martin over Johnny Manziel in the 2014 draft, like the Cowboys did, he had Jerry Jones, Juan and Manziel, and his son, Stephen, was like, no, let's pick the really good blocking from Notre <laughs> Dame. That turned out, yeah, that would be like a safe selection, but I do think a lot of Cowboys fans are like, get me someone in the secondary uh, for that defense. Number 11 overall, their division rival in the NFC East, New York Giants, picking Florida tight end Kyle Pitts, and I talked about it on a previous podcast, When I mocked Kyle Pitts to the Eagles at number six, I had a bunch of Eagles fans come at me like, why would they pick a tight end? Had the same thing with this, with Giants fans. Like, no way they're picking a tight end. Evan Ingram is set to hit free agency. uh, And Kyle Pitts is really not your typical top tight end prospect. Super efficient, Six foot six runs like a wide receiver, very, I think, nuanced route runner. Like he knows how to change gears, uh, very fluid. He's obviously a tremendous rebounder down the field. Uh, I think if they want to run it back with Daniel Jones one more season and see what they truly have with him, you have Golden Tate. He's older, Sterling Shepard. Who knows what's the future for him? But even if he's there, you know what you get with him. Add another dynamic player, you'll get Saquon Barkley back. This seems just like a good spot for a round where Kyle Pitts will ultimately land in the draft.
1: Well, and their defense started to come around this year. And I I think that when you get to a certain baseline of defense, not that it's not great to have the number one defense, but the teams that we saw trade a bunch of draft value for, like, veteran defensive players, Seattle, the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, it it paid off for the Rams. It didn't pay off really for Seattle. But even the Rams, they got to some point where it was just, well— you can't just win with defense anymore. You know, one yep. or two players get hurt. So you get to a baseline of defense, and then your offense is going to have to take you the rest of the way. I'll say this about Daniel Jones. Didn't hate him this year. Did not hate him. He turns the ball over like crazy, and I don't know if you can ever solve that problem. I, that might just be a like a brain function that every once in a while the guy's brain just shuts off and he throws it to the other team or fumbles or whatever. That always concerns me. But I also thought that he took a step this year and maybe maybe this is Josh Allen just doing this, but we are very impatient with quarterbacks, and Jones has, I think, more physical skill than we gave him credit for coming out of Duke. We almost treated him like he was not athletic at all, and um, maybe uh, it was that one run where he fell down where you might still say he's not. But uh, but, but, I think that he does have a better arm, and, and he is a little more athletic. Um, then maybe we thought he was going to look in the NFL. So, I, I, I mean, I like the idea of giving him picks. Evan Ingram has just not turned out to be a great player. Um, or Pits, I mean, not picks, pits. Um, you know, just, just more weapons. And the, the benefit is you find out for sure. That, that, that there's no, like, you've given him linemen, you've given him a running back, you've given him pits, you've given him a, a free agent receiver who's good. If he can't do it with this and he goes 6-10, and 10, well, then you know. And then you have a good situation going forward after that.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on Daniel Jones. I was not high on him uh, when he was coming into the NFL in 2019, I think. He, and I wrote about this after his rookie season at cbssports.com, I was like, you know, he actually kind of impressed me a little bit. And then this season in 2020, I I kind of thought the same thing, that he took a step. It wasn't a gigantic step, but I think he was a little bit more poised. The fumbles were still a problem. The interceptions were still a problem. Uh, The offensive line didn't really gel until later in the season. Dave Gettleman's still the GM. I I can't see him just saying, hey, I'm going to give up on this guy that I brazenly picked inside the top 10 two years ago. Uh, So get him. Another weapon, Kyle Pitts, really after Devonta Smith uh, and Jamar Chase. Yes, this could be Jalen Waddle there, but I think Kyle Pitts would just add just a, the right blend to that offense. Because I'm talking a lot, as I always do, we're going to kind of <laughs> speed through these. Um, I'll just list off a few of the other picks, and we'll stop at some really intriguing ones. Number 12, San Francisco 49ers, Christian Darasaw, offensive tackle, Virginia Tech, um, Really good player. I like his athleticism a lot. He kind of reminds me of Trent Williams. He's big and powerful and just looks in complete control. Number 13 overall, Jalen Waddle goes to the Los Angeles Chargers for Justin Herbert. This is a great uh, pick.
1: This is a yeah. tremendous pick. Run really fast, Jalen. He will throw you the ball 70 yards down the field.
0: That's what they need. I mean, Keenan Allen is very good. He's getting up there in age. Mike Williams has kind of been a, not a bust, but he hasn't been amazing as a first-round pick. They got uh, some pretty good contributions from some bottom-of-the-roster players, I think in large part due to the brilliance of Justin Herbert. Get him like a premier talent that's young at wide receiver. Number 14 overall, let's stop here. <laughs> I have the Vikings picking Micah Parsons, and I have a feeling you're not going to love this pick because of the presence of Eric Hendricks, who I love, Anthony Barr, another draft crusher of mine back in the day. I just think planning for the future at the linebacker spot, Uh, he's a little out of sight, out of mind, because he was an opt-out, but Micah Parsons universally was mocked like inside the top five before the season as this next Luke Kuechly type of linebacker prospect. What do you think about that selection for the Vikings?
1: Well, I think that the fact that Gregory Rousseau is still on your board probably makes it more likely that in this scenario the Vikings would go with the defensive end and feel like they were set with Anthony Barr and Eric Hendricks. But the other side of that is Anthony Barr is very expensive and the Vikings do not have a very good cap situation. They could make $7 million by cutting Anthony Barr and even more than that by cutting him after June 1st, which would be what you'd probably do in this scenario if you drafted his replacement. I don't think it's a a bad situation to talk about if you're saying usually rookies make their biggest impact in year two and beyond. And if you're if you're saying Anthony Barr is getting a little long in the tooth, he's getting a little expensive. Maybe he's not quite as fast as he was in 2014 when he was a rookie, and that was a major part of his game. He's coming off of an injury. Now it's a couple of years in a row where he this was a catastrophic one, but where he's been banged up a little bit more. And what is it worth in terms of your cap space to you know, pour it into Anthony Barr. So I, I saw this when you sent your mock to me and I thought, you know what? You're going to think I hate this, but I don't hate this. <laughs> I think they would hate it though. I think the Vikings would be like, no way. We're set on Anthony Barr for the, the foreseeable future, but they've got to play the cap game at some point and say, who are we going to keep? Who are we going to let go here? And if you're saying let go Riley Reef and draft a tackle, or let go Anthony Barr and draft this great linebacker, I, I think I would I'd probably go with Parsons here because, like you said, he is a top, top talent, and you could have the best linebacker duo in the NFL.
0: Yeah, and what this reminded me of, this situation in putting Michael Parsons to the Vikings, was when the Carolina Panthers had Thomas Davis and Luke Kuechly, but then they drafted Shaq Thompson in the first round. Like, that was people thought right away that they were going to cut Thomas Davis and he was gone. It took him like another season for them to do that. But I think for a team that has been so good and it's really been fortunate to have outstanding linebacker play like the Vikings have had and like the Panthers had in that other scenario, they're good. And they're smart about um, planning for the future at that important position. And it's, we kind of talked about it before, like linebacker might be a, spot that I would stay away from in the first round because it's hard to be a really good linebacker today because of all the coverage responsibilities. And if you're smaller and faster, are you getting washed out against the run? But if you have a good linebacker, your defense, I mean, it's hard to find a defense that has a tremendous linebacker, that is not a good defense because they have so many responsibilities. I think Eric Hendricks and Micah Parsons next to each other would be fantastic for the Vikings.
1: What, one no more, more thing, overall. one more point real oh, yeah, quick ahead, on that. Yeah. Um, Christian Barmore, after the NFC Championship, would not be surprised. The Vikings have talked Ooh. in the past about how much – uh, did I call it the nFC championship n c a a championship? How much they pay attention to those big games, those Ooh. national t v games comp- best competition versus best competition, christian Barmore dominating put him way up at the top of my radar for the Vikings, so
0: anyway, yeah, carry I think, on, I think as we get going and get really into draft season, that will be a player that I'll mock to the Vikings quite often. number fifteen overall, Gregory Rousseau, I am not nearly as high on him as the masses going to the uh, New England Patriots, but there's a lot of intrigue because he's 6'7", 270, and he had 16 sacks as a redshirt freshman. I think he's untapped potential. I think Bill Belichick would like the fact that he could play him in any position, and it might be kind of the long game instead of trying to win immediately with that pick. Number 16 overall, the Arizona Cardinals, J.C. Horn. It's not a player that we've talked about a lot yet on this podcast. Son of former Saints wide receiver Joe Horn. He's like around six foot and 200 pounds, but he's a really good athlete. When you watch his film um, at South Carolina, and I said this term, and I'm going to say it a lot, battle-tested in the SEC. He faced future NFL players for the last three seasons at South Carolina. A lot of pass breakups, good in man coverage. The Cardinals need more coverage help. Yes, Las Vegas Raiders, Trayvon Mooring, uh, the safety from TCU. Not a great safety class. Uh, Javon Holland, the opt-out from Oregon. Was the biggest playmaker, but he's a little smaller. I don't know if he's a great athlete. Mooring's like 6'2", 210, range from the deep middle. Good tackler, will come down and hit people. I think he's probably going to be the consensus top safety, and the Raiders need safety help big time. All right, we'll pause here for a little bit. This is the uh, at number 18 overall. This is the Miami Dolphins pick, but in this trade scenario, in this mock trade, the Houston Texans get this pick back. Uh, They take Patrick Jones, a defensive end from Pittsburgh. The one thing I'll say on this is I feel like I'm way higher on him than the NFL is. Uh, I really like his film. I think he's got good pass rushing moves, good burst off the snap, but checking around the internet, those, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, Mel Kiper, Todd McShay, the people super plugged in with GMs like you don't see Patrick Jones this high. Uh, But I, I do think if JJ Watt is not there, Uh, And he probably won't be there next season because they need to clear space. They need to go edge rusher in round one.
1: I also think that this is a team that could, and and maybe you'll get tired of me saying this trade down. I mean, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's just a statistically smart play when you have so many holes. Just get a third from somebody, just get a future second from somebody The Houston Texans are pretty clueless, as we've seen with uh, their handling of their superstar, amazing quarterback – but um so you never know what, you know, what they're going to do in this type of situation. But if they're living in reality and they're looking at their roster, they're saying, just like Carolina, like we have nothing, we have nothing to work with here. And so outside of just a couple of good players, it's not even crazy if they looked at some of their better players. It would be ironic if they looked at um, Laramie Tunsell and said, who can we trade him to? Will somebody take him? <laughs> I mean, right, it would be. But yeah. at the same time, it's like, you know, they didn't trade away Will Fuller and they just passed. Up on any opportunity to get some draft capital. And um you know they, they are at the very bottom. I, I look at them in Carolina as teams that are basically when the Browns went 0-16 or when uh, Miami went five and eleven with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like that's that's where you guys are at now. So stack up as much draft capital as you can, trade down and draft BPA every single time. Best player. I mean, I believe you about how uh, Patrick Jones would fit there, but, I mean, it's just anybody. If you think he's good, then you take him because you probably need that if you're the Houston Texans.
0: Yeah, I think if Matthew Collar was the Texans' GM and executed that plan, they could turn things around. Will Jack Easterby <laughs> or whoever's calling the shots make mm. those smart decisions? Probably Questionable. not. Questionable. Number 19 overall Washington football team, whereas you call them the Washington Sharks. Until Go they Sharks! To name. Amon Ross St. Brown, wide receiver from USC. I think he's going to be a riser during the draft season because not only can he get open, I don't think he's crazy fast. I don't think he's going to run 4-3, but he is great after the catch. He's a little smaller. I think he kind of fits the mold of what teams want from their wide receivers today. Number 20, Chicago Bears, Elijah Vera Tucker. Talked about him at length before. Great blocker, played guard and left tackle at USC. Very athletic. Number 21, Indianapolis Colts. They had Anthony Costanzo, their left tackle retire. Rashawn Slater goes there, the uh, outside, outside. the offensive tackle, OT uh, from Northwestern, similar to Elijah Vera Tucker. I could see them going in in a similar range. I have them going in back to back picks here. Just add to that offensive line for the Colts. Number 22 overall, Tennessee Titans taking Christian Barmore. It seems a little low even now just because of what he did. Um, in those two games in the college football playoff, he probably will go higher than this because it's just not a good defensive tackle class. Number 23, the New York jets with that pick that they received in the Jamal Adams trade from the Seahawks. Um, Rashad Bateman. I think if you're picking Justin Fields and yeah, you like Jamison Crowder, um, you drafted Denzel Mims in the second round who showed some promise when he was healthy, you still got to get more receivers. That's kind mm-hmm. of the theme of this podcast so far. Yep. Yep. 24 overall, uh, pittsburgh steelers alex leatherwood that's another offensive line that's been good for a while like the cowboys but is getting a little older yeah um so alex Leatherwood can play right guard he can play left tackle um just certainly there'll be a lot of questions about the future at the quarterback spot they could pull the trigger on like a mac jones or kyle trask here neither of those players really excites me enough that i think a smart organization like the Steelers would pick them here. Um, So I just went with the safest player, Alex Leatherwood. 25, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars with the pick from the Los Angeles Rams. Kadarius Tony. he's kind of this gadget player uh, from Florida. Very twitchy, very explosive. I think he gets a little uh, too dancey at times when he should just get north and south. But he's a very electric player. The Browns at 26, Aziz Ojulare. The very dynamic electric edge rusher from Georgia. He's only a redshirt sophomore, doesn't have a crazy amount of pass rushing moves. And when I first watched him, I thought this is just a one-trick pony, can really only win with his outside speed rush. But I think he's like the most explosive defender in the entire draft. Like he gets off the ball and can bend and dip the edge better than anyone that I've seen in this class. He's smaller. He's like 6'3", 6'4". Uh, But they need someone opposite Miles Garrett. We kind of saw that against the Chiefs. They need more of a pass rush. Baltimore, number 27 overall. They need a wide receiver. Terrace Marshall, um, the wide receiver from LSU. We'll stop here for a second. What do you think about how the Ravens have built around Lamar Jackson, and how do you think they should build around him? Should they go receiver? Should they add more tight ends to what they had in 2019, where they had those three tight ends that they used a lot? Um, And – Do you see them going wide receiver really unless they sign a big free agent other than any other position?
1: I'll give you a hot take. I think they need a new offensive coordinator. Um, yeah, uh, throughout this season, it just seemed typical Greg Roman, where he just got figured out. It happened in San Francisco. It happened in Buffalo and it happened in Baltimore where the first year with a quarterback, it's like, oh, wow, he's run all this or that misdirections and different things. But then whatever it is, I don't know if it's a lack of just detail in the passing game or teams just figure out what their route cam- combinations are and they stay with them forever. I I don't know but it was very clear when I was watching back some of the tape. And then I watched a really good breakdown from Kurt Warner on the the game tape against Tennessee. And this is why I would have picked Buffalo to beat them is that there just weren't, people open I mean there there were just like bizarre route combinations putting multiple guys in the same spots against zone which is always a bad idea and not giving Lamar easy answers throwing the ball and and basically making him drop back either make a really good throw or have to run the ball I don't like that for Lamar Jackson anymore at all Um, and so I, I like it much more to get him three wide receivers that he can use, spread it out, maybe have him play more like Josh Allen. A lot of quick throws, get it in playmakers' hands, and then run when he's got the opportunity. Playing him like, I don't know, like he's a college quarterback with the pistol stuff, it was great for one year. But now I feel like even when I watch him throw the ball outside of the occasional duck, I think the guy can throw the ball. I I just don't think that he's got a lot of answers there. And Marquise Brown going off about their lack of, explosive passing game, I thought, okay, that, that to me is evidence that I'm not a crazy person <laughs> when I watch the Ravens and think, you got to change this. This is not going to work. Every year it's going to get beat in the playoffs just like it did this year. So I, I love them drafting another explosive wide receiver, and I think that they need to make a change for what they do as, as an offensive philosophy.
0: That's hilarious that you just mentioned that about Greg Roman because what I was going to say is, yeah, like right after that game against the Bills – Someone tweeted that, like, Greg Roman gets figured out by year two, and I think that guy was you. <laughs> it was me. Um, yeah, because, that's uh, right. <laughs> that, and I thought about it and I said, that's so true. Like, Kaepernick coming in and then Tyrod Taylor and both of those teams that were, like, first in the league, like, 2,600 rushing yards, and oh, they're turning things back. It's retro. And then, like, the next season it gets very stale. So I, it wouldn't be shocking. I, I don't think it will happen because of the development that Greg Roman or how he helped develop their quarterback and tailored a system around his strengths. But yeah, I've always thought that Lamar Jackson was a better thrower than people gave him credit for. He was in Bobby Petrino's very traditional pro style offense at Louisville. And a lot of the running he did was just on his own accord when things broke down. Uh, So getting him another wide receiver, I think is the utmost priority for the Ravens this offseason. Number 28 overall, Rondell Moore, um, we don't need to stop here, I, I guess, but it, it is interesting just with the end of the illustrious career for Drew Brees. Could this be one of those spots for Mac Jones or Kyle Trask? Pretty good situation. You have Sean Payton. You have a great offensive line. You still have Alvin Kamara. You have Michael Thomas. Um, I could see this being a quarterback, but it won't surprise me if they just re-sign Jameis Winston. Yeah. I don't think they're going to go ahead with Taysom Hill. I can't imagine Sean Payton truly being like, Taysom Hill is our full-time starter in 2021. Um, But if not, Rondam Moore would just make a lot of sense in that uh, quick passing game. He's electric after the catch. Uh, 29, Carlos Basham to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 6'5", 285. And you watch his film at Wake Forest. He plays nose tackle. He plays standing up on the edge. Um, There is some inconsistency. I wouldn't call him a high-motor player on every play, and he can rush high at times but he can also do some freaky stuff um at that size 65 285 Shaq Barrett was their franchise player um Jason Pierre Paul's up there in age and Dominican Sue uh is into his 30s so I could see the Buccaneers going on the defensive line number 30 the Bills um picking Asante Samuel and the reason for this um and I want to get your thoughts on this too uh Matt they've been doing this kind of rotation at their outside cornerback spot where like Levi Wallace plays like two or three series. And then Josh Norman comes in. That was the case last year with Levi Wallace. He played well, but then later in the season and in that playoff game against the Texans last year, they had Kevin Johnson rotating in certainly Taron Johnson, their slot corner has played very well this season, made some big plays obviously, uh, but he will be entering the last year of his contract and the bills can't pay everybody. Uh, So I think planning for the future, get a, instinctive twitchy playmaker is what um, if they don't go linebacker, if Matt Milano uh, is re-signed, I think cornerback is kind of a sneaky need for this team as they plan for the future.
1: Well, and I also think that a really talented secondary is the way to make up for it when you just don't have a great answer for edge rusher. Um, Jerry Mm -hmm. Hughes can still play, but they they don't have a superstar. No Bruce Smith is walking through that door. So how do you figure out how to deal with that Um, unless they want to spend a ton of money on a free agent, which they could, but it's probably a better solution to just keep stacking with the corners. And I think throughout the season, you just saw the Bills defense get better and better and better because Sean McDermott is so... So good with his scheme, given more weapons in that secondary and the offense is set. I mean, there really isn't, I mean, you could be one of the top two or three offenses in the NFL, run that back. And they got the best news they could ever get. Uh, which is that Brian Dable is going to stay um, for 2021, which means stability on the offense. Uh, you know, maybe later on you pick another weapon because why not? But when you're talking about you know being a Super Bowl contender, if you can have this kind of offense year over year, I mean you can you can be there if you have an elite defense. I mean they're already there without an elite defense. It's just good, but keep adding to it. I, I'm with you on this. The either way, whether it's a, a rusher which they could definitely use or continuing to sack the secondary. Uh, I think McDermott knows how to teach these guys too, which I think you see from players that maybe we're just okay. Micah Hyde is a good example. And now I think Micah Hyde is great. So it's like, I, I think he can elevate Trey White. He's done a great job with, he can elevate these players who are already good. So I, I definitely like defense for Buffalo.
0: 31 overall Green Bay Packers, Zaven Collins. This is a player I think we're going to talk about a lot over the next couple months. Tulsa linebacker, 6'4", 240, was super productive, very efficient as a pass rusher, like blitzing or even standing up on the edge. Uh, had four interceptions last season, very rangy. He kind of is in that Anthony Barr mold, where he, some teams might want to have him as strictly an edge rusher, but he can do so many other things. I don't even know if he's going to last this long. But with Mike Patton's system there in, in Green Bay, I think he likes to use kind of these hybrid players everywhere. Zavin Collins would make a lot of sense to me. And then 32 overall, the Kansas City Chiefs, Georgia cornerback Tyson Campbell. He was a big recruit, um, and really his only bad rep that I have seen so far this season was that long touchdown that he allowed to Jalen Waddell, who looked like the fastest guy on earth in that Georgia-Alabama game. He's tall, he's physical, I think he's a great athlete. Bashad Breeland is a free agent. Their corners, they've gotten good play out of their mid-round rookie Legereus Sneed this season, but the cornerback position in Kansas City, not that it's really mattered, of course, uh, but they should probably look to add some more talent there And if Tyson Campbell, just someone who might be a little raw, but is super talented, was still available at the cornerback spot, I think that's what the Kansas City Chiefs should ultimately go with in round one.
1: Yeah, good point, because, I mean, even last year they get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and maybe they should have gotten defense and thought of the same Mm -hmm. way that we were just talking about Buffalo, where, hey, your offense is going to be top five in the NFL because you've got the pieces, you've got the coach, you've got the quarterback. Now you have to fill out that defense to where it's can't lose. And uh, they – Did not do a great job of that. Like a very bad decision on Frank Clark and paying him and he has not paid off. I don't, I don't think at all for that team. Um, so, but they have, you know, Chris Jones is dominant. The rest of it outside of Tyron Matthew, it's like those two guys are really dragging this defense and you know that Mahomes is going to be good for the next, I don't know, what eight to 10 years, if not more. So, um, continue to stack up these defensive pieces. And also if you're going to be great for that long, There is a salary cap still. You need to make sure that your defensive players are on rookie contracts because everybody likes to get paid when you win. So there always needs to be a next wave of guys who are coming in and taking those jobs, especially when Mahomes' contract really gets serious with that $500 million deal. Right now he's still cheap, actually, but he won't be for much longer.
0: All right, that'll do it for our first mock draft here at the Prospect Podcast. We'll do these periodically throughout draft season. Certainly, as we get through free agency, when things crystallize a little bit more, we are through, again, the top 28 picks are set in stone right now until we get that Deshaun Watson trade, um, which that'll just make it fun in an offseason when there's a huge trade like that. And I hope for Houston Texans fans that they do make the trade because that team is not anywhere even close to rebuilding and they're going to waste a lot of the prime years for their quarterback. Um, for Matthew Collar, I'm Chris Paso Thank you for listening. And before I go, I want to say this at every podcast, do not forget to subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast and to Matt's Minnesota Vikings daily podcast, Purple Insider. All right, thank you for listening.